time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Have you ever been watching one of those evening news shows, you know, the ones that come on kind of prime time where they're they're maybe they're going through some mystery or some crime? And a lot of times when I'm watching the ones with the crimes in the first half, I am so convinced that that person is completely guilty. And then comes the second half. And suddenly, by the end of that, I'm so convinced that that person is completely innocent, or depending on how they run it, the opposite of that. Maybe I start out the first half thinking they're innocent and end up feeling like they're guilty. Now, the reason I do that is because in each section, the producers of that show want to give me a certain perspective, a way of thinking about that particular case. So they give me all the evidence that would lead me to think one way, and then they give me all the evidence that would lead me to think the other way. What's interesting about that is probably by the end of that show, most of us are fairly confused and completely unconvinced of both sides. And sometimes maybe you you pick one side and you stick with it. But for the most part, all that's happening is there's a shift in perspective. Now, the reason I bring up that new show is because we all live in that place where we carry this perspective around. It's not that we suddenly shift perspectives. It's that we have adopted a perspective, a certain viewpoint, and that viewpoint helps us understand reality. But it also keeps away some other pieces of reality. In other words, it helps us to understand and put things in a certain reality, but it doesn't represent all of reality. In fact, there are some researchers who believe that we are kind of designed to not see things as they are, to see the things from a way that help us process the world. So what does that really mean? Well, it means that we all have a paradigm. We all have a mental model that we work from, and it's a flawed mental model. What that means is that there's not one way to see the world, but there are nearly seven and a half billion ways of seeing the world. Every one of us has a perspective, a paradigm that is like our fingerprint. It's unique to us. Some may be very similar, but there are always at least some subtle differences. And that's why this is such an important law of living, an immutable law of living is that every perspective is limited. In other words, none of us see everything for what it is, and all of us see things for what are pieces of it, just not all of the puzzle. There are always hidden pieces. There are always parts that aren't there. Some years ago, my family was working on a a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle on Christmas vacation. Uh, One of my nieces had gotten it, and somewhere along the way, there was a piece that was had gone missing. And we worked for days to get that piece, that puzzle together, only to find that it was an incomplete puzzle. Not all of the pieces were there. Well, it's kind of like that with this perspective thing. Not all of the pieces are there. The problem is we can't just look at it and, and know that. It's kind of like if the jigsaw puzzle were all in pieces around the table. You don't know that one or two are missing because they're all around. It's only when you could assemble it all and look back and see that that one piece was missing. The problem is that we don't have a chance to look back and see what pieces of our perspective are missing. And so we sometimes forget that we're not seeing things for just the way they are. This is what scientists have called a paradigm. 
That idea was brought by Thomas Kuhn, who was looking at scientific research, and this was decades ago when he came out with his idea that science moves in paradigms. More than that, scientific revolutions are paradigm shifts, and that science doesn't have this nice little straight up uh, or, or nice angle up. You know, we often think that that we're just creating a 45 degree angle of discovery after discovery that builds our knowledge. Thomas Kuhn said that it's more like a stair step. And what happens is that we have this paradigm that works and it works and it works and then it works less and works less and works less. And it explains less and less and less until the next understanding comes along. And it might be because there's a whole new discovery or a whole new theory or a whole new way of testing or something else is discovered that suddenly brings everything into a new perspective, a new paradigm shift. You may have in your life experienced those points when you have a paradigm shift where everything that made sense no longer makes sense and you have to find something new, something different. Think about how that happens through our lives. Maybe you grew up in a family and you had kind of adopted your family's way of seeing things for the most part. You had your own individual way of seeing it, but for the most part, a lot of your paradigm had been shaped by your family. And then you went away from school and suddenly things weren't adding up the way you had been taught. Maybe friends were showing you a new way of understanding things or or classes were coming along that were showing you something different or a job was changing your frame of reference and something had to change. Maybe you had to give up that old paradigm. Maybe you just had to change it a little bit. But somewhere along the way, we all go through those points of paradigm change. Sometimes it's very gradual. We don't even notice it. But sometimes it is a major shift, like going from thinking that the earth is flat to understanding that the world is round, which was one of those scientific revolutions, followed by a scientific revolution that understood that the earth was going around the sun and not vice versa. And once you see it differently, you can't go back to the old paradigm. So where does this paradigm come from? The paradigms are built from your entire life. It comes based on your gender, even your age and your family, your experiences along the way, the education that you have, the region you grow up in, the socioeconomic factors surrounding you. The paradigms are shaped by all of those pieces, both biological and, and also sociological that surround us. There are pieces that shape how we understand the world based from those pieces. These paradigms help us to crunch the information into a usable format. That's the purpose of a paradigm. There has never been a time in history when there's been so much information flying around us. But even back long ago, there would have been a paradigm understanding. There have been tests to show that people who haven't been exposed to certain things can't see those certain things. There's new research that shows that the color blue is a fairly recent understanding we have. And so there are ancient manuscripts that talk about the sea as being red because there was no reason to really see the blue. And then suddenly, at some point, we acquired the capacity of seeing blue, a paradigm shift, a whole new color that we weren't even seeing. And suddenly it's there, it was there all along. There have been those who have taken people who grow up uh, on the the desert, uh, the Kalahari in Africa, and when they go to show them a, a ceiling, the people can't even understand the ceiling, can't even see the ceiling because they've never had that before. And so suddenly there's a new understanding of their paradigm. 
Or think about maybe if you learned a foreign language, you suddenly realize that there are nuances to that language's understanding of some concept that you just thought was a singular concept. For instance, I've talked about this in my other podcast that we often lump love together as love. But the Greeks had at least five different ways of describing different types of love, different, different nuances to the love. It's been said that people who are in the more snowy regions uh, of the world have much more um, granularized understandings of, of snow. And the, so they have words that are beyond, I can call it snow, and they might have lots of descriptors of what type of snow it is because that's what they're coping with. So our paradigms help us to take all of this information that's swirling around us and make sense of it, make it into a viable format, something that we can use. All that information is just information until we find some way of making it usable. And that's really the problem of the paradigm. A paradigm is usable, but that's not the same as accurate. And and usability can diminish over time given different circumstances. So you'll notice that sometimes people are caught completely off guard by changes in the market or changes uh, in society. And now we're watching as people are completely caught off guard by changes in even the climate. As we clamor around to try to use old models that no longer work, which proves that paradigms have limits. And yet, whenever we're prepared by that paradigm limit, We're going to miss it for a while until something makes us shift. I remember years ago, I was in a cabin. It was an old cabin. It was on the, in the woods and I'd I'd walked into this cabin and, and it was kind of dark. And so I reached over to pick up a stick and the stick moved. Now my mental model was that that was a stick there. Interestingly, the person who was with me knew immediately that was a snake had no doubt about it because my mental model was not about looking for this type of snake all the time. Theirs was. And so whenever we have a different way of understanding it, we see things that others don't see. No, there's no problem with that. That's just a fact. Every perspective is limited. That's not the problem. You see, we stick to our paradigm until it fails us. And then we usually hold on to it until it painfully doesn't work. It's not just until it begins to fail. We wait until it completely falls apart. And we're usually forced into a big paradigm shift. But little happens little by little. In other words, we don't make little changes in our paradigm. Usually we make big changes in our paradigm. We may have new understandings. We may have things that that kind of raise our understanding of things and broaden our perspective a little bit. But for the most part, we have paradigms that, that have to be challenged a good number of times before they break. Which brings us to the notion of the paradigm problem. The paradigm problem is that every paradigm, and therefore every perspective, is limited in what it can take in, what it can understand, how it can process information. Now, that's not such a big deal. The fact is that we all have limits, and we, we kind of intuitively know that, that, that somebody who has been somewhere over and over is going to have a different perspective on that place than we are. The problem is the second piece of the paradigm problem. We forget we have a paradigm. So we have this paradigm that of the way of seeing the world, our understanding of the world, that is automatically limited just by the fact that we can't take in all that information and we haven't been exposed to all the information. 
That's the first piece that sets us up for what is truly the paradigm problem that we forget that we're even living in a paradigm. We believe we see things not through a paradigm lens, but for what they are. Not as a part of reality, but of all reality. And we fool ourselves into thinking that our way of seeing it is right. Now, we can all understand intuitively that other people don't see it the way we do. We can understand that people have a different perspective. We can understand that people come at things a different way. But somewhere within us, we often believe that the way they see it is wrong. And if you think about it, of course we think that because if we bought into their way of seeing the world, we would change to their way of seeing the world. So our way is the right way. Theirs is the wrong way. When in reality, we have different ways of viewing reality. And the real important part of that is understanding that there are limits and that we all have incomplete paradigms that we forget about. So how do we violate this particular law, this immutable law of living? Well, the first thing is that we believe we see things as they are correctly and accurately. That's the first thing. We believe that others have a bad perspective, but somewhere within us, we believe that we see it accurately. So we're always looking for supportive evidence, and we refuse to look at refuting evidence. This is what's called confirmation bias. Scientists experience it, social researchers experience it, and every day we experience it. Scientists will say, oh, that's an anomaly. We don't need to look at it. They'll, they'll knock off some of the data that doesn't make sense rather than saying, why is that data there? They discount it. Social researchers sometimes don't quite understand the question they're asking and how even a question being asked is within a paradigm. We believe we're seeing things correctly and accurately. And we have a confirmation bias that helps us continue to see things from our perspective. The confirmation bias is that we will continue to look for things that support our viewpoint and refuse to look at the things that refute our viewpoint. So how we violate the law, first of all, is we believe we see things as they are correctly and accurately. The second thing that happens when we violate this law is that we resist change, shift, and possibility. A couple of weeks ago, I had a person who proclaimed to me that their spouse was telling them how they had changed over the course of the marriage. And, and this person was telling me that he had not changed and, and he was trying to reassure his wife that he had not changed. And I said, well, too bad. You need to be changing because life is about changing. We're constantly adapting and changing to the world around us. As we age, we have to change, but everything around us can change. When we refuse to change, we're holding on to an old model, even when there's evidence proving that that model is not working. So we resist the change, the shift, and the possibility. And people will say, I don't like change. And I'll say, we don't, all, none of us like change because it challenged how we understand the world. But change is the nature of the world. And so we can embrace change and, and, and learn how to live within the change, but we can't stop it from happening. The third way we violate this law is that we forget that we are even have a different perspective. We forget that that's a part of how we understand the world. We believe that we are seeing things as they are, not through a model. We forget that we carry around this paradigm. Watch the world these days and you'll notice how many people have committed to a paradigm and forget that they're seeing through a paradigm. Instead, they see it as the truth. 
And whenever we've convinced ourselves that we have the truth, we've already forgotten that we have a paradigm that allows us to see the world a certain way. Are there elements of truth to our paradigm? Absolutely. But are there places that we're limited? Absolutely. The problem is when we forget that, we forget we're seeing things through a paradigm, we violate this law much to our pain and difficulties. So how do we get back into compliance with this law? The first thing I would say is to seek out opposing viewpoints. Find evidence to the contrary so you can argue with yourself about what's really going on. Choose not to see things as binary, but as viewpoints. What we tend to do is see our way as the right way and everything else is the opposite way. So we have our point as correct and the other points as wrong. And when we do that, we we lose the possibility of seeing that we're on a perspective. We're on a, a, a length that can explain a lot of things. So when we begin to look for things that are viewpoint perspectives that oppose ours, then we broaden ours. Instead of being right or wrong, up or down, left or right, we can begin to see that there is a wide range between. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that you first think is at the opposite end of, of maybe the political spectrum? And as you talk, you realize that you actually both agree on many things. At that point, you realize that you're really dealing with data points, with viewpoints, not as a binary up or down, left or right, right or wrong, but as viewpoints along the spectrum. So when we seek out opposing viewpoints, I didn't say opposite, but opposing viewpoints, then it broadens our perspective. We can look for people in conversations, in dialogue. We can look for websites. We can look for articles. We can look for opinions that are different than ours as a way of broadening in ours. And remember, I didn't say opposite of ours, but different than ours. All enduring viewpoints likely have a point. If you think about that, how how interesting that plays out even in our culture of politics now, where one side is saying the other side is wrong, and yet the other side probably has something good to say, given the fact that it's an enduring viewpoint. Whenever a viewpoint endures around a group of people, it has something to it. There's something that it adds to the viewpoint. It helps explain something, and so it exists. And so when we begin to listen to those voices, listen to the voices coming from a different perspective, we begin to question our own perspective. Not that we give up our perspective, but we question it and recognize it as just what it is, a perspective. So always hold loosely to your personal beliefs because they can and do change. That doesn't mean you dump your beliefs. I remember back in college, the first time I was in a class that was on uh, biblical history, lots of people lost their faith. They were holding so tightly on to a brittle faith that when something came along that opposed their particular viewpoint, they couldn't see that there were other possibilities along the way. So They gave up their faith completely rather than seeing that there was a change that was possible with the information that they'd just been given. Something else that had had come to them didn't destroy their faith except for they were unwilling to see other possibilities in the midst of that. When we hold loosely to our beliefs, we can be anchored by those beliefs and still understand that those beliefs are partial, that they are not the whole thing. The second thing is to recognize that views may be flawed, particularly during conflict. Notice the question there. It may be flawed. You don't have to give up every viewpoint you have. 
You don't have to, in the midst of every argument, say, well, I could be wrong here. You know what? I probably am wrong. So we'll just go with your way. But to understand that there may be flaws in your understanding and that conflict can actually help you move to a a more full, more accurate paradigm. Remember, this is not about getting rid of a paradigm. That's impossible. It is about understanding that paradigms can and will shift, probably to more healthy, wholesome, and whole uh, paradigms if we let them do that. So the third thing is to look hard and hold loosely. Always look for places to stretch into. Now, you can be clear about your morals. There are some things that we're really not talking about changing. You may have a strong moral stance, and that's not what you have to put up for grabs. But you can look for new places to stretch into. So look hard and hold loosely. Always hold loosely to your personal beliefs because they will change. The fourth thing is to choose a different perspective over wrong. Think about how you're framing this. Somebody else has a different perspective. It's not that they are wrong, but they have a different perspective. And so you might contemplate how they got to that place. Whenever we're able to see that somebody else has a different perspective, not that they're wrong, we are now touching the roots of empathy, something that is sorely lacking in today's culture. Because we now have the labels of right and wrong, not different perspective. This is an important part for how we solve conflict. It's an important part of how we relate to other people. It's an important part of how to be in a marriage, how to be in a family, how to be at work, how to be in the world that we choose to see others as having a different perspective. Not that they have a wrong perspective, but a different perspective. And then you can consider how they got to that different perspective. At that point, you've crossed over and gotten to the place where you have built empathy for that other person because you're beginning to try to see things the way they might be able to see things. Okay, so that's the immutable law of living that we all have a perspective and every perspective is limited. And part of our task is to be willing to be stretched into other perspectives and to be able to see that other people are coming at things from a different viewpoint, not a wrong viewpoint, but a different viewpoint. This is Lee Balkum wishing you a thriving life. Listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at Thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.